0: Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the wonderful gift it is to have your word before us, to have it in our own language so that we can understand it easily. Lord, we pray that you may really help us to comprehend what you have said here in these words of our Lord Jesus Christ that he preached so long ago to his disciples. Lord, may we be willing disciples this morning to hear from our Lord's voice May we be built up and encouraged to serve you faithfully all the more as a result of hearing your voice this morning. And we pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, this week, my well, on Tuesday, my son turns eight months. So I figure it's time to start his education. So I started to teach him to count this week. I got four rings. Uh, that he likes playing with and I lined them up and said one, two, three, four. I didn't go beyond four. I thought it might be a bit too advanced for him to go further than four. But I thought four would be a good starting point. And so I'd name them and then I would say go for the third one, Joshua. What was number three? And sometimes he would actually get it right. So uh, I think the whole exercise was quite worthwhile. Uh, but other times he would go for number one or the, the purple one. If I, sh- I worked out if I shuffled the purple one to the one that I wanted him to go for, that would be the one that he would end up going for. And so he'd be correct. If I made the one that I was wanting him was number three and I made number three the purple one, then it would be all well. If I made the purple one number one and said go for number one, he would go for number one. Maybe it's a little too early to teach Joshua to count at this stage, But I'm sure it will be soon that he is able to count to at least two, one and two. I think he would be able to distinguish that very soon. And I expect most people in this room can at least count to two. They can count one and two, which means if everyone in this room can count to two that they can understand pretty much the illustration that Jesus is giving us here this morning in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at uh, Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Mount for a number of months now and we've come to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And here Jesus gives us an illustration. He's coming to the end of his sermon and he's basically coming to a conclusion here. And he gives an illustration in which if you can count to two, you can pretty much get the illustration. And that's in verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. This morning we have a series of twos. We have a series of two things. There's no need to be able to count to three other than to count my three main points. You need to be only able to count to two. We have two destinations given by Jesus. We have two gates, not three gates, two gates and we have two roads that Jesus speaks of. Two roads, two gates and two destinations. You don't need to be able to count to three other than the fact that I've got three lots of two. So my first main point this morning is about the two destinations. Two destinations for everyone. What are these destinations that Jesus is talking about? Well, we read them in verses 13 and 14, of course. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to, destination number one, destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to, destination number two, life, and only a few find it. There is no third destination given here by Jesus. There are only two, destruction and life. There is no nirvana, there is no nothingness that when we die we just become worm food and that is all it. There is no purgatory given here. There is no limbo. There is only two destinations that Jesus says all people will end up at. And that is destruction or life. What does he mean by destruction? Well, of course, Jesus is speaking about the destruction of eternal punishment in hell. Everlasting fire. This is what Jesus speaks about quite a lot. People don't like the doctrine of hell, but Jesus speaks about it very often. And, of course, we have it throughout the New Testament. It's spoken of, and particularly in Revelation. In Revelation, we get a very clear image of what hell will be, like Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20 verse 11. We have the final judgment and a description of hell given to us. Revelation chapter 20, if you've got a Black Church Pew Bible and you want to look it up, it's page 1230. 1230. 1230. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 it says, "Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation describes hell as a lake of fire. Fire is not something pleasant. And this is an eternal fire that will be painful. Jesus speaks of it as well and he is quite clear about it that it is not a nice place to go. It truly is destruction. That is one destination. What is the second destination? Well Jesus describes it as light and of course that is heaven that we understand as paradise, being back in the presence of God and Revelation 21, the very next verses after speaking of that lake of fire speak about that heaven and what it is page 1230, 1230 of the Black Church Bibles, if you're following along. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven. This is the second destination. A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband." And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. One of the great things about heaven is that God is there with you, living with you. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no crying in heaven. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That is what Jesus means by life, by the second destination. An eternal paradise with God himself where there is no pain. Unlike hell and destruction where there is pain, there is crying, there is gnashing of teeth, there is weeping. Heaven, life doesn't have that. It is a wonderful place. And both are eternal. Both of these destinations, one of the characteristics that both have is that they go on and on for eternity. There is no end in sight. If you end up in hell, that's where you stay for eternity. If you end up in heaven, that's where you stay for eternity. So those are the two destinations. So how does one get to the good place and how does one get to the bad place? How does one get to hell and how does one get to heaven? Well, that's where Jesus talks about two gates. So my second main point is the two gates. And these are mentioned in verse 13 and 14. Enter through the gate number one, narrow gate. For wide is the gate, that's gate number two, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, gate number one, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There are two gates. There's no third gate here. There's no extra way that you can access either heaven or hell. There are only two. You only need to be able to count to two. There is a small gate, a narrow gate and there is a wide gate. What does it mean that the gate to destruction is wide? What does it mean that it is a wide gate? We'll look at that one firstly, the wide gate. Well, wide means it's easily found. If it's a big monster gate it doesn't take much to look at to find it. And in fact, this wide gate is the one that people don't even really need to find. When you're born, you actually pass through this gate. You pass through this gate and begin the road to destruction. When we're born, we are born uh, sinners. We start to sin from a very young age. We start to be selfish and rude to others and unkind to those around us. We don't have to be taught how to sin. We all pass through this wide gate. It is easily found. In fact, you don't really need to find it at all. We all just breathe through it when we are born. Wide also means that it accommodates many, many people. Many go through it. And that's what the text says. Verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and only a few enter through it. No, it says, and many enter through it. Many go through the wide gate. There are many people going through the wide gate. It is that wide that accommodates all kinds of people. Many people pass through it. Many of your family pass through the wide gate. Many of your friends pass through the wide gate. In fact, all people that you know have passed through it at one point and many of those around you are continuing through it. They have passed through it and they continue to follow on the road that leads away from that wide gate. Wide also means it accommodates all the baggage that you want to take through. It's not a narrow gate where you have to sort of take off your luggage that may be uh, around you, all the baggage that you've got on, and you have to sort of get through. No, it's very wide. You're able to take whatever you want through. All the idols that you may have, the things that you worship, all the sins that you indulge in and love so much. That wide gate it is wide enough to accommodate them all. You don't have to strip off any of those sins and take them off to get through the gate. You can walk through that gate, you can breeze through it with all of them. And that wide gate accommodates them all. Whereas the narrow gate, the second gate that leads to life, what does it mean that it is narrow? What does it mean that it's narrow? Well, narrow means you have to try and find it. It's a small gate. You have to try and find it. And that's what Jesus says in verse 14. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Only a few find it. It is small. You have to go looking for it. You have to seek that gate. You don't breathe through it accidentally. It is a gate you have to hunt down and find. If you want eternal life, you have to seek it. You have to seek that gate and find it to pass through it. Thankfully, people can help you find it. And that's why you come to church and you find out about how do I get eternal life? You seek it out and there are people who are able to help you find that gate. It is a small gate, but it's not like God hasn't given us any signposts to it. He hasn't told us where it may be found and given us people who can direct us, who can guide us to that small, narrow gate. So it's narrow, which means you have to find it, But thankfully God has helped us out by giving us guides and signposts to it. What also does it mean that it's narrow? Well it means that not many people go through it. Remember the wide gate? Lots of people pass through it. But the narrow gate? Only a few go through that. And that's what Jesus says. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few, only a few find it. Only a small number of people go through it. And you can't, you can go through it, but you can't bring others through it yourself. You can't force people to come through that narrow gate yourself. Only you go through it. And so you have to tell your family and friends to come through it themselves, but you can't carry them through. You can, through the broad gate, you can lead many other people through that and encourage them in their sin and come through this broad gate with me. But the narrow gate, only you. You pass through and only a few find it and go through, and you can't take them through with you. Narrow also means that you have to leave your baggage behind. You have to strip off all those things and come through it only yourself. You have to take all those idols that you love and cherish so much. They may not be physical idols, but they may be your, your cars, your houses, your money, your stomach. So many idols we have that we worship every day. You have to lose those. You have to strip them off and go through without them. Only you can come through. You have to leave your sins behind that you cherish so much. And even those works that you think are good, those things that you think God is pleased with, those have to be left behind as well. They can't gain you entrance into eternal life, giving to the poor, being kind to those around you at work. Those kinds of things, they aren't part of the gate. They aren't going to get you eternal life. You have to leave those behind as well. And it's only you who comes through, without baggage, without others, just you through that narrow, small gate. What is the narrow gate then? Well, of course, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the gate. He is the one that we enter through to eternal life and he alone is the way. How do you find the narrow gate? How do you find Jesus Christ? Well, you find him in his word. You find him through repentance and belief in Jesus' death on the cross. When we repent of our sins, when we say we are sorry and when we trust that Jesus alone is the payment of, for our sins, that his death on the cross alone is all that gets us into heaven. We have stripped ourselves of all our sins, we have repented of them and then we're coming with nothing but Jesus Christ through that narrow gate. That is how you enter through the narrow gate. You don't bring anything else through, you only come through by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins. If you're here this morning and you've never repented of your sins, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ for eternal life, do it now. Because if you've never done that, you very, very likely haven't understood enough to have entered through the narrow gate. You need to say you are sorry for your sins. You need to trust in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you cannot enter through the narrow gate and you cannot enter into eternal life. Is that the end? Two gates and that's it? No, Jesus continues and we have a third main point, a third two, and that's two roads. Two roads. After the gate, there are two roads. After the two gates, there are two roads. Jesus says, verse 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and Road number one, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. And then verse 14, but small is the gate and road number two, narrow. Narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. You can come through the gate this morning but you've got a bit of time to travel on the road afterwards and Jesus warns you about those roads. It's not as simple as passing through the narrow gate and then everything gets nice and easy, you strip off and then you can take things back on yourself. No. He tells us that there's two roads. What does he tell us about the broad road? What does it mean that it is broad, that it is wide, the road that leads to destruction? Well, it tells us that many people are on it. It's not a case of the gate is wide, lots of people pass through, and then suddenly they all diminish in number. No. There are many, many people on the broad road leading to destruction. Many are passing along that road. If you are on the broad road, you will have many friends. Many of your family members will be there with you. You will have great popularity. People will encourage you as you are there on that road going to destruction because you are there on a broad road with many others around you. Broad also means you aren't restricted. It's not a case of you go through the gate and you aren't restricted, but then the broad road... Uh, the road to destruction, it narrows down a bit and you've got to stop you know, behaving the way you were behaving when you went through the gate. No, it's broad after the gate as well as when you go through. And so it accommodates all your baggage. It accommodates everything that you want to do. There's hardly any boundaries there. You want to sin in a particular way? Well, the broad road accommodates all kinds of sins. If you want to walk over on this side of the broad road for a bit and follow this particular sin, that's fine. No one's going to stop you. then if you want to switch back to another particular sin and really encourage and follow along with that sin, the broad road accommodates that as well. It accommodates all your sins. It allows you to explore every kind of sin that you want. It is broad. And it also means when it is broad that it is easy. It's easy to walk on the broad road. It accommodates you and you continue to sin very easily along it. Think about when you try to stop sinning. It's very difficult. Whereas when you sin, often that has just come so easily. It's easy to pass along the broad path. It is going to be a fairly pleasant life for you in this world as you pass along the broad path. It will be easy for you to pass on it. Whereas the narrow road, what does it mean that it is narrow? Well, it means that there's not many on it. Jesus says, verse 14, only a few find it. You won't have, you won't be mainstream. You won't have many people there with you on the narrow path as you go to eternal life. You're going to have to leave certain people behind, certain friends, certainly family members won't be there with you. You won't be the popular person that you would be if you were on the broad path. There's only going to be a few there with you And it also means that you're going to have a hard life as you continue to walk along that path because there's two things you need to do along that path. You need to put sin to death, you need to stop the sins in your life and you need to add loving actions to those around you. What sort of things do you have to do that are so hard? Putting to death and to uh, adding new ways to your life? Well, Galatians 5 gives us some little lists. These are good memory verses to have. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. This is a very good example of how hard it is to walk along the narrow road. You have to put these to death. These in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, page 1155 in the Black Church Bibles, 1155. Galatians 5.19, it says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. On the narrow path, you have to put to death sexual immorality, and that is hard. Impurity and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred. Very hard to put that one to death. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. You have to put that to death on the narrow path, and it is difficult dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And then Paul warns us, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not receive eternal life. Walking on the narrow path means you have to put those to death and that is hard work. It is not easy work. And then you have to put on the fruit of the Spirit. You have to take on these attributes. Verse 22 Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is so hard to love others. Joy. So much easier to be miserable than to be joyful. Is hard work. Peace. Patience. That's what you have to do on the narrow path. You have to be patient with others. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Those are the kinds of things you have to do on the narrow path and that is hard work. It is not easy. You are restricted in what you can and can't do on the narrow path. It is a restrictive path. It is a difficult path. Narrow also means you are persecuted. It's going to be hard walking along there and this happens with the Christian faith all the time. People will persecute you. It is a hard path to walk along because people will insult you. People will persecute you. They will call you all kinds of names for being a Christian and that will push you to wanting to go back to the broad path. And some people stumble and fall when they get the insults coming and the worldly concerns coming to them. They stumble and fall. Walking along the narrow path means you will have to take many insults. You will have to suffer for God's name. So we've seen two destinations, two gates, and two paths. Let me now just commend the narrow gate and the narrow road to you. Yes, it is hard to go through that gate. It means you have to leave everything behind. It means you cannot bring anything through. All those sins that you desire and love so much, you have to put them to one side all your even good works you have to put to one side. It means your pride has to be suppressed immensely as you come through humbly as one who trusts in Jesus alone. And yes, it is hard to stay on the narrow road. It is not easy to do those things that we are commended to do, those fruits of the Spirit. It is not easy to put to death those ways of the sinful nature that come so easily. And it's not easy to stand up to the persecution that people will give you. It is not an easy path. But remember the destination that you are going to if you go through that narrow gate and you are on the narrow road. Remember you are going to eternal life. You get such great reward by going through the narrow gate and going along the narrow path. And you even get reward in this life. It seems pretty gloomy, the narrow path, but there is great joy even in this life, walking along the narrow path. To know that your sins are forgiven, that you no longer have the guilt on your shoulders of all the wrong you have done, is great joy in your hearts. And to see yourself conquer sin after sin as temptations come and you are able to tackle them by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ That gives me great joy as well. And you have brothers and sisters here. You are not called to walk the narrow path completely alone. Yes, few find it. But it doesn't say only one finds it. It says few find it. You have brothers and sisters in Christ to support you and care for you. The church in the world is quite big really. The number of people who worship the Lord Jesus Christ today is quite large. I mean it's not as large as those who do not worship but there are people there with you to encourage and support you and even when you may be called to walk completely alone and you don't know any brothers and sisters around you you're maybe in some dark land where you haven't got a single brother or sister around you Know that you are not completely alone. The Lord Jesus Christ is there with you. He promises to be with you to the very end of the age. You are never completely alone. There is great joy on the path as well. But remember that the most reward comes in the next life. That is what we're about. We have a small time on a narrow path, a difficult journey to make. But the great reward that is coming, heaven, as we read about it in Revelation, that's only a little glimpse of what it will be like. It is a wonderful life that we are headed to and it is well worth travelling along that hard road. We all know good things in this life often do not come very easily at all. They require hard work and perseverance. The athlete really knows this. To get a gold medal at the Olympics... Does he just rock up one day and say, I think I'm going to run and he takes off and there you go, he's got gold. He works and he works and he works. From a very young age, particularly those swimmers, I never understand how they do it. They go back and forth day after day, following that black line on the bottom of the pool, lap after lap after lap after lap. So much time spent in that pool, so much hard work, so much self-discipline to get that gold medal. And that's what we're called to do. The Bible compares what we're doing to a runner running a good race. We have to work hard, but that reward that we get at the end is well worth it. So let me encourage you this morning. Go the hard way. It is hard, but the reward makes it all worth it. Do you want an easy life? I'm not going to lie to you this morning. Stay on the broad path. Christianity is not for you if you want an easy life. But know that you are on your way to destruction and the pleasures you may experience now are not worth comparing to the pain and suffering that you will experience in the next life. Do not stay on the broad path. It may be easy. Turn to the narrow path instead. Do you want eternal life? Go on the narrow path. Find Jesus. Take off your baggage. Take off those sins, those idols that you cherish so much. Be ready to leave your friends and family behind and walk the road that leads to life. Persevere along it. Remembering you're not alone. You've got brothers and sisters in Christ and you have Jesus Christ there with you as well. He will be there on the narrow path with you through all the difficulties that you may experience. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Be one of those few. Find that narrow gate. Find Jesus Christ this morning if you have not already. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that there is a narrow gate that can be found. You, in your mercy, have provided it and you are under no obligation to do so. When we sinned against you, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you were not obligated to provide a narrow gate by which they could then enter into eternal life. Lord, you have been so merciful towards us to provide a narrow gate and to provide a narrow path that leads to eternal life. Lord, if anyone here this morning has not found it, let them consider where they are going. No one is stationary. If they are not on the narrow path, they are on the broad path and they are heading to their destruction. May they fear that this morning. May you use us, the Christians who are here this morning, to be able to help them find it, And Lord, I pray for all of us who have found the narrow gate and are on the narrow path. Lord, give us strength to persevere. At times it is so, so hard to follow that path. Satan wants to push us off back onto the broad road. Lord, please protect us. Please give us the strength to persevere so that we do enter into that eternal paradise, that eternal life that goes on for an eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.